0: This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about settlement solutions, litigation, mediation, and structured financial security from Ringler, the largest and most experienced company of settlement consultants in the United States. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by American General, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host, Larry Cohen.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler's Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. And joining me today as my co-host is my friend and Ringler colleague, Heather Anderson, from our Birmingham, Alabama office. Heather joined Ringler in May 2009, After spending 12 years in the structured settlement industry, both on the administrative and consultant level. With that, welcome to the show, Heather. It's always great to have you as a co-host.
2: Thanks, Larry, and it's just great to be with you again.
1: Terrific. And we're now joined by attorney Chris Botwell from the Beasley Allen Firm in Montgomery, Alabama. Chris works to protect individuals who've been injured or the families of those who've died as a result of nursing home abuse or neglect. And with that, welcome to Ringler Radio, Chris. That's quite a topic. I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing it with you.
3: Well, thank you, Larry and Heather. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me.
1: Terrific. Well, Chris, according to the National Center on Elder Abuse, we've got a growing problem. And uh, help us differentiate, if you would, between neglect cases and abuse cases. Give us a little insight.
3: Okay. That's a good question, The first thing is neglect really is just a type of abuse, so they're almost the same thing. Uh, Generally, the reason we separate those two terms is because the word abuse itself generally implies conduct that's intentional. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Uh, Like abuse is is the infliction of an injury, the um, unreasonable confinement, intimidation, or withholding of care. Um, that causes a nursing home resident or anyone actually physical harm, pain, or mental anguish. Mm-hmm. So the difference where neglect comes in is that um, in neglect the conduct can either be intentional or unintentional. So it's just that little that possibility of unintentional harmful conduct that we separate ne- neglect out from the word abuse.
2: That's a that's an important and really an interesting distinction, actually. Um, Chris, let's talk about litigation. What what type of abuse, you know, what kinds of cases of abuse and neglect are you all seeing coming out of nursing homes?
3: Okay. Um, generally, um, there are a, several broad categories of the types of cases that we see. We see um, a lot of cases involving nursing home residents falling. Um, as a matter of fact, the CD says, CDC says that um, up to 75% of elderly nursing home residents will fall at least once every year. And this is alarming because that's that rate is twice as high among elderly nursing home residents as it is the elderly living outside of that environment. So what we look for there is to make sure that there's nothing going on at the nursing home where they're not um meeting the needs of an elderly resident that, you know, that help prevent them from falling. Uh, Another thing that we see quite often, and it's really shocking, are choking cases. Um, Studies show that choking deaths are on the rise in nursing homes, which is very alarming. And the death rate from choking um, among the elderly in a nursing home is higher than death rates from choking for any other age group, including young children.
1: Well, Chris, are you talking about in the dining room kind of setting where people are choking on food that they're ingesting, or is there some other element at work here?
3: Yes, that can be um, in the dining room setting. It's often associated with with eating meals, but um, nursing home residents will have medical conditions. A lot of times those conditions make it harder for them to swallow. Mm. Uh, So uh, we have seen people that choke taking medications that aren't weren't supervised during that and they can just also choke um you know naturally um um by being unable to swallow saliva that way and um, the danger there is if they swallow something and it gets aspirated into their lungs it, if they don't die from the choking when it gets aspirated into their lungs it can cause a, an infection pneumonia and lead to um sickness or or death mm-hmm. Um, Another thing that we see quite often in in these cases are cases that involve bed sores or pressure ulcers. Mm. Um, These are horrible, horrible sores that happen on the body when a person is left in one position too long. Uh, that's why one word is called pressure ulcers. The pressure exerted on the skin uh, makes the restricts the blood flow to that area. <clears throat> and the blood flow is necessary to bring blood to that area of the body to keep it alive, but also blood flow takes is constantly removing dead tissue from, from an area. Mm-hmm. So if blood flow is restricted to one area, the body is not removing the, the, the dead tissue as well as creating new tissue. So you get these these sores that are, can be open and and just horrific, they cause great pain. And if not treated right, they can lead to uh, serious infections that can cause, again, uh, multiple medical conditions or even death.
1: Well, you know, and I, I think those, you know, decubitus ulcers, as they call them, those are really the poster children of, ne- of the neglect cases. I mean, when you neglect to turn a patient or, or you know, move them into a, in, a position that's going to hopefully uh, prevent that kind of a, a, a skin condition, Uh, that's really what those folks are there to do, right? I mean, you you must see that all the time.
3: We do. And and you're exactly right. Uh, And and these, for the family members and for the residents themselves, these are extremely emotional conditions because the sores are are really horrific looking. And and they they have a foul odor because it's dead flesh. It's they they and the pain associated with it, they're very very emotional um so not, my heart always goes out when we have one of these cases because you know of just the horrific nature that surrounds them
1: you know, another type of case I know that Heather and I have both seen over the years in nursing homes are, are people wandering away from the nursing home. They, you know, because of either dementia or some other scenario, when and, and all of a sudden they're out on the street somewhere and no one's really got, you know, no one's locked the door behind, you know, behind them. Uh, it, it, it's a tough one. Are you seeing a little more of that?
3: We have seen those. Um, we, we call those elopement cases. Uh, which it just means that they wandered away uh those cases that's that 's a neglect case as well where they you know if a person has dementia, the nursing home's responsibility is to evaluate the patient periodically and determine whether they have a propensity for wandering away, so they had their their duty is to keep them confined to an area of the uh, facility that's secure, that where they can't get to a door that they can open from the inside and to protect them. We have seen cases of that. We've seen cases where they, you know, they found the resident and returned him without harm. We've also seen a very small number of cases, thank goodness, where they did not find the resident in time and, and they suffered, you know, severe injury or, or work.
1: Wow. Well, you know, Chris, one of the issues that you're always facing is does the nursing home have an arbitration clause or or are you going to be able to really get into a a courtroom setting? Uh, These arbitration agreements, how have they impacted nursing home litigation? And give us a little bit of an overview about how that's impacting uh, what you're trying to really correct. Okay,
3: yeah, that's a great question because it almost does, it comes into play in almost every case we get. Um, The first thing. Everyone needs to realize is the Seventh Amendment to the U.S. Constitution guarantees everyone a right to a trial by jury. Now that right is for criminal and civil matters. Mm -hmm. Uh, What an arbitration agreement is is you are is an agreement that where you're waiving that constitutional right to a trial by jury. And most nursing homes nowadays have these pre-dispute mandatory arbitration agreements and. Pre-dispute meaning when you go to um, admit your loved one into the nursing home, the day they get there, they're warning you to waive the resident's rights to a trial by a jury before anything has ever happened to them or any you know the knowledge that anything could possibly happen to them. Uh, and what's amazing to me is if someone asked you to do that for criminal cases, people would be up in arms. Right. But, but somehow, because it's civil, people don't see how severe um, of limiting your rights these agreements are. But, um, but they're in almost every single nursing home agreement that I've seen. Uh, and they do this as part of the admissions process, which is usually um, when you're admitting your loved one into the nursing home, and during that time, the need for their medical care is critical and urgent. So a lot of people aren't really paying attention or caring to, when, when When this is brought up in the admissions process, pointing out that there is a arbitration agreement, and that is required by the way if it 's in their admissions contract it 's required that they disclose that to you and explain what it means
1: mm-hmm. and am i am I right that in some instances it's it 's really a condition of of entry i mean you, you can't you can 't get into the nursing home unless you know you agree to that arbitration clause in the yes
3: contract. some nursing homes make it a condition mm-hmm. where they would not accept the patient without that. Now, and in the last couple of years, there there was a push by the federal government to uh, ban that, that making arbitration agreements a condition of admission. However, that was challenged promptly challenged by the nursing home industry in court, uh, and the most re- the most recent uh, administration rules have come out, and they abandoned the um, the ban on these mandatory arbitration agreements. So they are. They are legal, so when when it being admitted into a nursing home or admitting your loved one, you really need to pay attention yeah. to the presence of these and ask them if you can be admitted without signing one. And if if there's no, another nursing home available, check the other nursing home uh, because you don't. I mean, because it's it's really important that you preserve this right in the event, God forbid, that something happens that you can protect um, the resident's rights or your family's rights.
1: That's a very good point. Uh, That's
2: That's really good advice, you know, because this is a really concerning issue, frankly. Yeah. So, Chris, there's reports, um, you know, getting to the quality of care in the nursing home, there's reports that the quality of care in the industry has, over the last decade, just increasingly declined. Do you know, is there a reason for that? And you know, if, if it can point to a reason, what can we do to improve the quality and prevent future cases of of neglect and cases of tragic abuse from, from happening?
3: There are um, reports that, that do indicate that the quality of care has declined, and, and the reports that I've read have all concluded that the reason for that is that nursing homes have cut back on staffing, and, and are, are most of them, there's one report that, that says that something like 95% of the, or actually 97% of the nursing homes surveyed in one study did not have adequate staff to properly care for their residents 24 hours a day. Uh, one thing you have to keep in mind is that the vast majority of nursing homes in the U.S. are owned and controlled by for-profit corporations. Mm-hmm. So, as you learn in high school economics, the one way you can control uh, profitability is to lower your cost. Well, the amount of staff you have is relative is a relatively controllable cost. So, a lot of nursing homes are trying to cut back on the staffing in order to increase their profitability so that they can continue to provide services. But what they don't understand is the uniqueness of the business that they're in which is providing 100% of the medical and personal care that these residents need to survive is more important than raising the corporate profits. I mean, the corporations really need to focus on the human aspect of what they are, are agreeing to do When you sign that admissions contract, not only are you promising to pay and do other things, they are promising to provide 100% of the care that the resident needs.
1: Yeah, no no question about that, Chris. You know, I, I assume whenever we have a discussion like this, I assume, for example, the nursing home industry would dispute some of the allegations that are being made about them. But have you seen any improvements, even if only characterized as preventive measures? That there, is, anything, is anything positive happening on the, in the nursing home area that you can point to that says, you know what, they're making some strides to try, to try to help the situation?
3: You know, I, I'm certain they are. And let me just just qualify this. I would say that the majority of nursing homes do a good job and are doing the best that they can for their residents. Um, and, you know and 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 they take their job seriously, and they 're very conscientious and as with any other business or thing, what gets most of the attention are the are the few facilities that do not that cut the corners that um, neglect people. You know, so that's a, a lot of the, the the worst stories that you hear, like the ones that came out recently about following the hurricanes in Texas and Florida, mm-hmm. those nursing homes that didn't even have power. That's what grabs the headlines. You know, the, the the feel-good stories on the news come at the very end, and they're only like 15 seconds long. Mm-hmm. This kind of, it's kind of the same thing, but the problem is that there are enough of the bad actors to create a real health care crisis in this country. Uh, One thing that we have to keep in mind, too, is that in 2017, there were about 1.4 million Americans that lived in nursing homes. In the next 20 years, it is predicted that that number of people living in nursing homes is going to triple.
1: Yeah, I could be one of them.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, because the baby boomers are are aging. And so when you you have up to like 4.3 million people living in the nursing homes, uh, these problems that we're having when we now have a little over a million are only going to get worse and worse and worse. So now is the time that as a society and, and me as a lawyer and, and the and the nursing home industry as an industry need to come together and try to figure out ways to fix this so that in 20 years we don't have a crisis that is even much worse than what we have today.
1: Well, listen, I'm counting on you to protect my future. Okay, Chris? Well, we're trying. Do, do your best, all right? That's cool. Well, in closing, let's let me ask you this: What legal advice would you give to a family member who believes that their relative is a victim of nursing home abuse or neglect? What what steps should they take?
3: Okay. Well, first thing is if they a loved one believes that their the, the nursing home resident loved one is in imminent danger of harm, death, anything, call nine one one. They're from the room if you have to. Um, if, if the resident's not experiencing imminent danger, the best course of action is to um, have an open line of communication with the nursing home. Talk with talk with the caregivers, the staff. Um, if, if, if that doesn't produce any results, go to the administrator and file a complaint with the administrator. Um, according to the um, federal guidelines, they have They have to address it, and they only have a very limited time to respond to you. And if that doesn't work, if you don't get any results from there, what they can do is they can uh, should consider filing a complaint or report their suspicions of this abuse or neglect to government authorities. Um, They can go to their local health department and get guidance on where's the proper um, place to file this report. A lot of times, many states have the Department of Human Resources, um, and they would have an Adult Protective Service Division. Um, Also, each state has a um, nursing home ombudsman program, which is a state official that is tasked with overseeing these nursing homes and investigating complaints. You can contact that office and file a complaint. Um, If you're unable to do that, I would suggest that they contact an attorney that could, could help them with that process.
1: And you know what? That's what you are. That's terrific. That's so, correct. if someone wanted to get in touch with you, Chris, uh, how would they do that?
3: Uh, they can, um, many ways. They can um, call us. Um, they can call our law firm here in Montgomery uh, at 334 269 2343, or they can go on the Internet and visit our website, which is www.beasleyallen.com. And from that website, you can um, get links to our nursing home practice. You can get a link to me directly where you can send me a a direct email. Uh, So those are the best ways uh, for them to to contact us.
1: Well, that's terrific. Uh, And Heather, if someone wanted to contact you, how would they do that?
2: Well, they can certainly um, search me on ringlerassociates.com, R-I-N-G-L-E-R associates.com. I'm Heather Anderson out of the Birmingham office. I'm also in Houston, Texas. Um, Or they can certainly reach me at 205- Nine one five eight three
1: nine nine. Well, that's terrific. And uh, if you're looking for Heather Anderson, you can go to the Ringler Associates website, or you can look for any other of the Ringler Associates who all are on that website. And that website has a lot of great information about structured settlements and. Uh, a lot of the issues that we talk about all the time here on Ringler Radio. And of course, if you want to listen to any Ringler Radio show, we've done hundreds, uh, they're all there on RinglerRadio.com. You can find them. Or you can look uh, on iTunes. All of the shows are on iTunes. You can listen at your leisure or on uh, legaltalknetwork.com. So we have a lot of sources for you to listen to these shows. There's a lot of great information. Uh, The subject matter is all laid out, and uh, I recommend you do that. It's... uh, I think it's educational for everybody. So with that, I want to say thank you very much, Chris, for joining us. That was uh, informative. And Heather, thanks for being a great co-host.
2: Thanks very much, Larry. Terrific. Always a pleasure.
1: And all the rest of you out there, go have a great day. Bye-bye.
0: When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best, most objective financial plan. You can count on Ringler Advisors to create a customized plan that meets the financial needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Tuck Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Celebrating more than a decade of podcasting and over 2 million listeners. Think of Ringler, the objective settlement advisors with more than 140 consultants in 60 cities nationwide. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.